Thank you, Thank Leah. You. I'm on. Yes, thank you. And it's wonderful to be with you this morning. Please be seated. And uh, here he comes. So, yes, greetings from Living Waters Christian Centre this morning. It was crisp and sunny down south. And uh, it's absolutely delight to be with you and send love from Christchurch to you all. Uh, so, Wes and I have been in ministry for how many years? Oh, 31. 31, there we go. And we're still standing. Yes. <laughs> and um, it's been a privilege. Yeah, okay. It's been a, it's a, been a privilege to lead Living Waters. You may have heard or seen us. We're, uh, we're still meeting in a tent. Our, our venue um, that we were in was rather damaged. The ceiling came down and the floor went up when the Christchurch earthquakes hit. But we had five acres of land that was untouched, and so we pitched tents on them, and now we're beginning with our building pro progress to, uh, to build on that land. So that's us. We've been married for a long time as well. We've got four grown children and 13 grandchildren, and the 14th on the way. So, uh, yeah, we, we love family. We love the family of God. And I just want to take a moment here actually to formally thank you as a church for the investment you make into New Life Churches New Zealand. When you release your senior leader to, and leaders to minister into the nation, you are touching the nation. And you sow as a congregation into that. And I want to thank because I know things like hosting the conference that we've just had and releasing them to speak, it always takes a cost from a congregation. And I want to formally thank you for that and for the sacrifice that you put in for those times. So thank you, thank you so much. This morning as I was worshipping, I began to see a fresh loaf of bread. Now you just bear with me. I see funny things and then I need to unpack it. I'm going, God, why am I seeing a fresh loaf of bread? And straight away that the word came, healing is the children's bread. And I felt God is saying, because as I focused on that loaf of bread, I began to see it multiply. And I felt God was saying that he's bringing this house into a place of signs, wonders, and miracles like you have never seen before. That that time is upon you. And it's time to focus on the miracles that you have. And as you focus on the miracles you have, there is going to be incredible uh, multiplication of that. And God is saying they are going to see that the taste and see that the Lord is good. And I saw the doors opening and just like you would see like in a village a door would open and the smell of fresh bread would begin to waft out and into the village and into the into the town so I saw the doors of this place open up and the smell of fresh bread that was in the house began to go out and impact and even go I, I saw it impacting the city so people are going to come here because there is this place that is going to be known for signs and wonders and miracles I, I just want to do something. I felt God say, do this. I'd like you to raise your hand right now if you've ever received a miracle in your body of healing. I'd like you all to look around. Keep your hands up. I could put two hands up. You know, we've seen a granddaughter raised from the dead. We saw a daughter who had severe epilepsy healed instantly as God's power came upon her. I tell you what, we need to focus on the miracles we've seen. And as we focus on them, God is promising he's going to bring multiplication into this house. Amen? Amen. All right. There's probably Amen. Thank you, darling. Four minutes. Excellent. Second. Thank you. Bless you guys. Thank you. <clears throat> 
there we go. Just let me get set up here. Thank you so much, Pastor Anika, and of course, Pastor Adam, who's uh, over in uh, New Plymouth at the moment. Thank you so much for the invitation to come and, and minister among you. Um, I take it as a very uh, uh, significant thing to be asked into another church to minister because you're entrusting to a degree the hearts and lives of your people uh, to, to, these, to those people. So we just take it as a, a real honor to be here. And uh, thank you so much for your leadership of New Life Churches and the privilege of being part of the team. Uh, I don't know how much you know we contribute at times, but, but, but it's just great family to be part of and a great team to be part of. And the friendships in the team, the very genuine friendships in the team, I believe, have an impact on, on the, the tone of the whole family of God, the whole New Life family. So um, just a great privilege to be part of. As Janet said, we have four children, 13 grandchildren. 13 months still in the womb, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It <laughs> on the way, definitely on the way, you know. And it's not mine, my daughter's, you know, on the way. And uh, so um, she's accounted for seven of our grandchildren so far. This will be number eight. So uh, my, my, I'm the youngest of 10, so... I'm not sure if she'll make 10 or not, but, you know. So anyway, um, uh, this morning I just want to focus in on just one, one thing. And uh, there's, a, there's a statement that Jesus makes in, a, in, an, in an, uh, an engagement he has with a man who's got a family crisis. This man's got a, you know, PJ and Kezia, good to see you there. I thought you were in Tawa. But anyway, there we are, you're here. Okay, so uh, this man had a significant crisis in his family. And I don't know about you, whether you've ever had a crisis in your family. Uh, once you get a bit older, you've generally had one or two, right? You know, uh, it could be something, a health issue, could be an accident issue, could be a, a major decision issue that has created a major crisis. But life sometimes, you, you're journeying through life and then somehow just either out of left field or suddenly the situation develops that's creating a major crisis. And, uh, I mean, we've had a few of those because you've got to have some things to practice on, after all. Uh, they're never pleasant when they arrive, uh, but it's always good if you've got a faith story on the other side of it, okay? And during, the t during the time it's being outworked, it can be a very intimidating time in your life. But if you see God move and you see God come through and you see a healing or a deliverance or a resolution or a, re a reconciliation, whatever the case may be, you come out of it with a faith story, and those faith stories are like gold. And so this man had an incredible story afterwards, after this journey. Uh, and uh, these stories become so precious. This one is such a beautiful story. It made it into the scriptures uh, and now has been preached on and told and retold through the century probably millions of times. And so uh, that's far better than Facebook, right? Far better than Facebook. That's, that's better than viral, okay? So, Father, we just want to thank you now that as we go to your word, as we look into one of these great stories, Lord, uh, one of these great accounts of your power and your grace moving in this dear man's life and his family's life, we just thank you, Lord, that as we share a testimony that's written in the word, Lord, these, the power can be replicated, the story can be replicated, and, Lord, we can be encouraged in our faith. So I thank you, Holy Ghost, you great spirit of comfort and encouragement. Come upon us and just encourage our hearts today. Let the word be sown into the heart. Let the word be incorruptible and bring forth a harvest in due time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got a Bible with you, turn it to Mark chapter 5. 
And uh, this is quite a chunk of scripture, so it was a bit hard for the guys to be able to break it up enough to get it up on the screen. So bear with me as I read it, and I hadn't started my timer, but I had taken a few minutes off it, so there we are. Um, <clears throat> there we go, Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. So a number of passages of scripture, but it's really worth getting the flow of the whole situation. So in verse 21, we see this. Now, Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side. Now, just before this, he had been by boat across to the Gennesaret area, which is on the uh, northeastern side of Lake Galilee. It's up in, the, in an area we're called the Decapolis. He had been over there. He had, he had been uh, met by a, a, a man who was highly demon-possessed. Uh, the community could do nothing with him. They couldn't. He'd be, they'd try and bind him in chains. He'd smash the chains. People would be terrified to go through that area. He'd, he lived among the tombs. This guy was so demonized, so troubled, so tormented. Probably had demons had demons. You hear what I'm, you hear what I'm saying? His issues had issues. Anyway, he'd just been there. They'd just seen this phenomenal deliverance of this guy gets totally set free from uh, thousands of demons at once. And uh, he's now sitting in his right mind he wants to follow Jesus, but Jesus says to him, no, go to your people, tell them all the good things that the Lord's done for you. Uh, and so that's what he eventually did. He went and spread the word through the region. But the rest of the people, because they'd lost their pigs, and you, some of you know the story, they didn't want him there. They basically repelled him. They told him to get out of their area. They were fearful. They were troubled. They didn't know what was really going to happen next. Uh, didn't know what other herds they might lose. Uh, and so they reject Jesus from that area and he travels across the lake back uh, to the uh, Capernaum area, those, that sort of area on the other side of the lake. And instead of being rejected, he's welcomed by a significant crowd. You want to be in the crowd that welcomes him. You don't want to be in the crowd that rejects him. Okay? Who knows what the possibilities were on that other side of the lake if Jesus had been welcomed who knows what other, other demonized people would have been set free? Who knows what other uh, crippled, healed, lame, blind, leprous people could have been healed, delivered, set free, and salvation comes to that whole area. But instead of that, they rejected him, and he went back to the other side of the lake where they welcomed him. And this, he's, he's in a group of people, he's moving through the area when we come to this situation. Verse 21, now Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea, by the lake, by the sea. Uh, and, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, uh, Jairus by name. Now, this is a big deal. He's a ruler of the synagogue. This is a big deal. This guy comes to Jesus, and when he saw him, uh, he... Uh, He's got a misprint here. He fell at his feet and began to beg him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, and she may be healed, and she will live. That's an incredible statement. This guy is in a major crisis. His little daughter, who we find out is 12 years old, is at the point of death. Now, this is an urgent situation. He needs Jesus there immediately. That's basically what he needs. But the thing is, his faith has reached out to him. His faith has caused this guy to say, this man has the answer to my family crisis. 
And so in verse 24, so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Excuse me while I get a drink. Now verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things by many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Verse 30, and Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you? That means they're pressing in on him. They're, it's just a jam. It's just a mad press. And you say, who touched me? Verse 32, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing uh, what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Beautiful story. So much in there. Love to unpack it. But we're, fo we're focusing on Jairus and his daughter. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Other translations bring this out, and, and in some translations, it's even more brutal. He's just, he's just managed to get a hold of the one he knows will be the answer for his daughter. He's just managed to get a hold of him. He's agreed to come to her house. This other lady has come in and interrupted this and interrupted the journey and caused a delay. And while that whole thing was happening with the woman getting healed, the little girl dies and then the people come to him and say look your daughter's dead don't trouble the master any longer Jesus Jesus knows exactly what's going on here he knows exactly what's going to impact this man's heart he knows exactly what is going to cause this man to, to shrivel up on the inside to go into fear and unbelief on the inside and just get into agreement just get into agreement with this situation. But Jesus makes the statement, and that's really the title of the message. Do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. I don't know about you, but sometimes you're in a situation and you get some really troubling news, get some really bad news, some really troubling news, and it's like in that moment, your, your soul can almost become a bit numb. Anybody ever experienced that? You may, you may have experienced it. It's almost like your soul is going, oh, my goodness. And your soul in that moment is weighing up, is weighing up. It's feeling the pressure and the terror and maybe the intimidation and maybe the fear that is generated by this news. And it's like in that moment, your soul is going, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. Surely this can't be happening, but it, but it is happening. It's, and this news hits you. And in that moment, it's like we've got this 
significant choice. How many have ever been in a place where some news has hit you? Might be a medical diagnosis, might be the news of a loved one, might be it might be economic news. What? How many people have ever felt that in that moment you get hit by that news, and in that moment your soul is going, "Oh my goodness, it's like it's shaken." Well, right in that moment, the beautiful thing here is that Jesus interjects. And he knows what's happening to this man. And he interjects. And he says, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. He only says it once, this recorded. I'm just doing it for emphasis. <laughs> only believe. Or trust. And it's, it's like this moment where this guy is now, what do I do? It's like in his soul. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But Jesus said, don't fear. Other translations say, don't yield to fear. Just trust. Just believe. Believe who? Believe the one that's walking with him. Believe the one that's spoken. Believe the one that he's heard the miracles about. Believe the one that he knows could be the Messiah. And Jairus' life and Jairus' context, that was the situation. Could this be the Messiah? And so as a, as a leader of the synagogue, he would have known the scriptures as they had them. And he would have known the prophecies about the coming Messiah. And he may have known the signs that this Messiah would fulfill. And in his mind, he is, by the healings he's hearing about, by the miracles he's hearing about, hearing about by maybe even what was repeated about his birth. This guy is saying, is this the Messiah? Is this the promised one? But he's got enough hope, he's got enough faith to get before him and put his face down and say, Jesus, come to my home. My daughter is near death. Lay your hands on her that she be healed. And on the way he gets the bad news. In that moment, he's either going to go, he's either going to yield to fear or he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna, he's gonna muster trust. He's going to muster. He's going to stay in faith. He's either going to yield or he's going to stay in faith. And then it says, <clears throat> verse 37, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother of James. Verse 38, then he, oh, sorry, verse 38, uh, when he came into the house, oh, sorry, I jumped. Verse 38, then they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and they saw a tumult, those who were weeping and wailed loudly. Some of these could have been professional mourners because they did that. They hired people to come and wail and weep and, and, and all that sort of thing. They weren't necessarily genuinely interested in the family or the child. They were just hired to, hired to come and weep and wail. Strange way of doing it, but that's what they did apparently. Verse 39, when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Verse 40, and they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, and there's a whole lesson on that, he took the father and the, mo the mother and the child and those who were with him, <coughs> the mother of the child, sorry, and those who were with him and entered where the child was. There's some, sometimes in life you have to separate some people out. You have to separate some voices out. You just have to separate some voices. 
you've, there's voices that will crowd in in a situation and agree with death and disaster and doom. There are those voices who will rise up in amongst it and come into agreement with life and healing and deliverance and the, the glory of God being manifest. You want to agree with those voices. You want to agree with those voices. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, in Hebrew, obviously, Talithakumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked, for she was, uh, she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement, but he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said, they should give something to it. In other words, you were trying to, trying to manage his publicity. That was fundamentally what was happening. So it's like maybe the game today was decided in a few crucial moments. As Max Smart would say, he missed it by that much. But a game like that was decided probably in a few crucial moments. This, this child's healing and deliverance was decided in a moment. When, when, when those guys came with the news, your daughter is dead, don't trouble, it's an interesting say, don't trouble the master any longer, as though Jesus being healing to this little girl was going to be a trouble. But that's the religious mindset. The religious mindset says, don't bother God. Have you heard the term God botherers? an old saying, a, cr a critical saying of those who go to prayer meetings. They would say, you're going to bother God. It's, there's a, a religious spirit kind of deal going on. And, and uh, so this, this guy, had, in that moment, had to decide whether he was going to persist with his original request with Jesus or whether he was going to side with the fear, the, tear, the terror, the intimidation and give up, and Jesus and him would have parted company. Very big moment right there. Fear could have won. Yeah. Intimidation could have won. Yeah. Unbelief could have won. Yeah. Not wanting to trouble, the idea of not wanting to trouble the master, trouble God, could have won. The idea that God is concerned about other people, but not really my situations, could have won. The idea that, well, God's in control of everything, uh, it's just the sovereignty of God. That idea could have won. Where's you better unpack that? Well, is God in control of everything or is he in charge? Because if you're driving your car, you better be in control. But some people, we know that sometimes cars crash. Was that the driver not in control? or another driver, or was that God not in control or in control? See, we get these arguments happening, and we can make too much of an argument, and then put, on God, put something on God that really isn't God's responsibility. He's actually given that responsibility to us. Who does he, who's he given the responsibility to cast out demons, heal the sick, and raise the dead? He actually gave it to his disciples. He said, I've given you my name, I've given you my power, I've given you my authority, now go and do it in my name. But we might say, well, uh, but Jairus had Jesus physically with them, and I don't. Therefore, Jairus had, was really, it was a different circumstance because 
when I have family challenges, then I don't have Jesus physically with me. But the thing is this, you see, this is what we've got to, we need to understand. The one that Jesus had with him is the one that's with us. You see, the one that supplied the power to heal that little girl, the Holy Spirit, is the same Holy Spirit that's with us. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 7, it's recorded there, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So I believe that God is wanting to raise the consciousness of his believers, of his followers, to know that the one who is with us, the one who is in us, because we're, we are born again, we're baptized into him, and we've opened our lives and asked him to fill us with the Holy Spirit, and we trust by faith that he's with us, that same Holy Spirit that gave Jesus the power to raise this little girl from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that's been sent to walk with us. But instead of the Holy Spirit only walking with one man on the earth, now he's able to walk with millions of people on the earth. So the work of the cross, the work of the resurrection, the work of the ascension, the work of the enthronement is now multiplied potentially millions of times over into every corner of the earth. And so it's really a matter of attitude adjustment. Many, number, three and a half years ago, I think about three and a half years, I'm going to finish on this. About three and a half years ago, uh, I had a, our son and daughter, in law, uh, my, our son in Australia uh, rang and said, we, uh, you know, um, my wife, Shannon's uh, pregnant. You know, he didn't say it quite that way. He, he actually asked me, asked me how I coped with finding out Janet was pregnant with a child after six years of not having one. And this was 12 years. Wow. Had two boys, then a 12-year gap, and Shannon's pregnant. <laughs> so, Dad, can you go to another room? I thought, oh, what's this? And how did, how did you deal with you found out Mum was pregnant? You know, and I, I said, well, it took a little while to adjust. <laughs> we had to buy all our gear again. We had to get a bigger car. We had to, <laughs> you know. And uh, I said, but, you know, you adjust and so on. And, and, and you could tell within a few weeks they were getting pretty excited about the fact that she was pregnant with, with a, a, new, a little child after 12 years. And, uh, but then after about, when they had the first scans, you know, and you get, they go on for the first scans, uh, I don't know what age that was, 20 weeks or whatever it is. Uh, we knew they were going with the scans and then, um, and then they rang from the hospital and they're just broken. They just, they're just, they just look shattered. And they've just had this news from the scans that, the little baby's kidneys are full of cysts and the lungs are full of cysts. And uh, they had five, I think it was five or so, different specialists come and see them and urge them to abort, urge them to have an abortion. This child will not survive the pregnancy. If it does survive the pregnancy, it's going to die very soon after, after delivery. There's no chance for this. Well, we've never seen a child with this sort of thing ever survive before so on and so on and so forth. This is Adelaide Hospital. Adelaide Hospital's pretty up there when it comes to, to childcare. It's one of, the, one of the fairly famous sort of places, apparently. And so they had five or six different specialists put pressure on them. One of them even said, if you love this child, you'll terminate. And but Shannon and Mark, they, they no, no. And they, they had to really push back. They said, no. And when they rang us, you could tell they were pretty shattered. And in that moment, I identify with Jairus. In that moment, you get news that is 
so contrary to what you're expecting and this news hits you and in that moment you're having to, in your soul you're having to go, oh my goodness, what am I going to do here? Oh my goodness, what's going to be the outcome of this? What's the future of this little one? What, what's going to happen here? And in that moment you've got the choice of either starting to collapse inside or maybe go into fear and unbelief and let fear get around you or you dig in, you dig in, you dig in yeah. and you dig into the Word, you dig into what's been laid up on you and you'd start digging into trust. You start digging into faith. And depending on your revelation, depending on how you see the Word of God, the will of God in terms of babies' lives and so on, you're going to respond either to that fear and intimidation or you're going, on, you're, you're going to respond to the Spirit of the Lord. And so Janet and I, in that moment, we decided we're going to stand up on the inside as believing grandparents. As, as a man and woman of God, we're going to stand up on the inside and we're going to go to war for this little life. We're going to go to war for this little child because we have the conviction that children are a gift from the Lord. And so we had a conviction that this little child wasn't, uh, wasn't just to, to be taken away, as it were. And so every morning from then on, we would have communion together first thing in the morning and we would pray from the revelation of the word, from the, from the revelation of the bread, from the revelation of the blood, from the revelation of what Jesus achieved, and we began to pray for that little one and began to decree and declare into that little one's kidneys and lungs and so on. And then over the next month, over the next weeks, every time she had a scan, there were less cysts, less cysts. Then by the third or so scan, the lungs were clear of cysts. The, the specialists were saying, we don't understand this. They were starting to consult with other specialists in other parts of the world, apparently because they hadn't seen this before. And the, the ter by, the, by the time she got close to being born, she, had, she either had no cysts in her kidneys, and there was evidence of fluid in the bladder, uh, and they were saying, we think we may be able to do a normal delivery, and we think we may be able to treat this baby as a normal, healthy baby. This is a massive shift from what they were first saying, that there's absolutely no hope. If you love this child, you'll terminate to now saying, we think we, we think we can bring this child into... into and so there was all, they, they had, had to go through a major shift themselves. I'm talking about the medical people. And they were starting to use language like miracle baby. So here's what I'm saying. We, when we're faced with crisis, when we're faced with news that just hits us and tries to intimidate us, we're gonna, we, we'll need to make some choices in those moments. And the sooner I believe, and I'm not saying I've done this every time. What I'm, what I'm saying is, is the times I've been able to do this and, and make a, a decision more quickly that I'm going to stand and trust in the Lord and I'm going to press into what he's revealed through his scriptures about his nature, his character, his power, the power of his name, the power of his blood, the power of his word, the power of, his, power of the Holy Ghost. And because this little one is being born on my watch, and as a grandfather, I have a powerful position. <laughs> as a son of God, I have a powerful position. As a son of God, I have access to the throne. As a, as a son of God, we've been given his name. As a son of God, we've been given his anointing. And so now that little one, she's, um, she's two and a half years old. She's, uh, she's so vibrant. She's so vibrant. She's so loaded with personality. 
she's got her father around her little finger. He just and the two older boys just absolutely dote on her, and uh, she's just an just in a, she had an op, she had a, an operation on the top part of her kidneys just to rearrange some plumbing. A uh, number of months after her, she was born, just to tidy some things up, if you like, really. Uh, but she she's she's functioning amazingly. She's she's man, she's vibrant, she's talkative, she's full of personality. But you see, this crisis when the news hit, it was either going to be fear, or we were going to need to lean, or we leaned into God. And I'm so grateful that He gave us the grace, if you like, to lean into Him. Let's all stand. And uh, somebody, somebody here may be in a in a crisis moment like that now. You've had some some major news that that says this or says that. One thing I've learned in life is that fear has a voice, and sometimes fear literally yells at you. It 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 it. it, it speaks to you and fear will usually speak limitation it will speak sometimes it'll just speak death uh, and and I've, I've learned this that if I if I if I yield to fear I'm not talking about the fear of stepping out on a bus lest it run you over that's self-preservation that's just wisdom I'm talking about this kind of dimension of fear I've learned I've learned that if I yield to it it's going to master me. And I'm not going to yield to it. Doesn't mean that every outcome is exactly how, how I would like it. Well, it hasn't been that way so far. But I've seen some wonderful outcomes of things that were threatening the exact opposite. And when Janet and I, were, or, or either together or whatever, we pressed in and focused on the Lord and took sides with the Lord, do not fear. Don't let fear master you, but trust the Lord. Trust in Him. That same Holy Spirit that enabled Jesus to raise that little girl from the dead is now walking with you. That's incredible. That's phenomenal. You are not alone. You are not just reliant on your own resources. You are not alone. Whatever situation you're in right now, you are not alone. If you love the Lord, His presence, His Spirit is with you. Become conscious of Him. Become aware of Him. Lean into Him. Maybe there's somebody here right now, just, you just need to shift. There just needs to be a shift in your focus and a fresh leaning into the Lord and focusing on Him. And that's going to shift things inside of you and going to enable you to walk this journey, whatever it is, in a whole different way. If that's you, we, we just we just want to pray. Some some of you just feel the shift. You need this shift needs to happen. So I believe right here in this atmosphere right now, there's actually a, a an opportunity for an impartation of a gift of faith, a gift of faith into that situation, a gift of faith for you for this situation. If that's you, quickly come on up. If you've never if you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never opened your life to Him and committed your life to Him, now would be a wonderful time for you to come up as well. And we'll introduce you to Jesus and, and you can become part of His family. Uh, there's just so much for me to tell you on that. We just have no way, enough time for it. 
But if that's you, you just need that shift to take place. Or you're facing a crisis right now, you've heard the news, and you just need some people to stand with you and pray with you. How about you just come up, come up now, just come up now. Tonight, we're going to be looking into, we're going to be teaching a little bit on the, uh, the issue of dealing with roadblocks in life, dealing with self-imposed roadblocks that are often in our hearts and our minds. Uh, and, and there'll probably be some deliverance tonight. I want to teach you how to identify things that have, been, have built in your life or some judgments, expectations, and vows that are actually tripping you up or holding you back from your progress forward. We want to we want to teach you about that tonight, uh, and then we want to minister. There's people got some people are going to be set free of things, and then but but mainly I want you to to be to understand how to do this for yourself, and also how to help set other people free. That's one of the significant issues. So come tonight at seven. Uh, now we're going to pray together. How about you all stretch out the hand to these beautiful people? Has anybody come up who needs? Who, who, who wants to give your life to the Lord? Has anybody come up, give your life to the Lord? Or you're here, sorry? Oh, okay. Or you're here for the shift issue. Okay. How about you'll pray with me? We're going to pray together, right? You, you can all join in if you like, but we're going to pray. Just pray with me. Father, I thank you today that I'm your beloved child, that I'm born again, I'm washed by your blood and by your word. And you have given me Holy Spirit to walk with me, to comfort me, to strengthen me, to, to empower me, and for your word to be opened up to me and all of your things that you have to be imparted into me. So today, I acknowledge your Lordship. I acknowledge that you're my Savior. You're my healer, my deliverer, in Jesus' name. And right now, I thank you for this opportunity to shift out of fear and back into faith, back into trust. In Jesus' name, Spirit of fear, I speak to you. You spirit of intimidation, I speak to you. I command you to loose my mind, to loose my heart. I will return and fix my focus on the power of Jesus, on the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now, I receive into my spirit the gift of faith the gift of your faith to face the situation and to see your name glorified in Jesus name right now right now right now father I just thank you for these beautiful people right now I release the power of your spirit right now the gift of faith I release the gift of faith right now into their hearts, into their spirits right now. Janet, feel free to minister right now. I release the gift of faith into your spirit now. I release the gift of faith into your spirit now. The gift of faith right now. The gift of faith into your spirit. The gift of faith right now into your spirit. Right now, faith into your spirit. Faith.
faith into your spirit right now. I release the gift of faith into your spirit right now. Gift of faith right now in Jesus' name. The gift of faith into your spirit. Right now, I release the power of the gift of faith right into your spirit right now. The gift of faith now in Jesus' name. The gift of faith in Jesus' name into your spirit right now. The gift of faith. The gift of faith into your spirit right now in Jesus' name. The gift of faith just right now. Not fear, trust. Not fear, trust. Not fear, trust. I release the gift of faith right now in Jesus' name. The gift of faith right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name right now. In Jesus' name right now. Thank you, Father. Father, I want to thank you for these beautiful people. I want to thank you for your grace on their lives and your anointing in this house. I want to thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Right now. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, just touch people and settle on this place in a whole fresh way. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Thank you so much for, for listening and being patient. God bless you. I'll hand it over to Pastor Anita. Pastor Wes, people. Thank you for ministering. Come tonight for more ministry. Um, let's stand and receive the blessing. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Service is over. Um, if you need more prayer, you can always come to the right and get prayer. Otherwise, we'll see you tonight. Um, don't forget the bouncy castle, not for you, the kids, and the sausages also. Love you people. We'll see you tonight.